Due to the graphic nature of this haunted place, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes depictions of gore, suicide, and some references to sex work. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Jasper was fleeing from culture shock when he arrived on Karlova Street. The epic Gothic and Baroque architecture of Prague felt a little too foreign for a kid from Philadelphia. So he headed to the tourist district on his concierge's recommendation. Lots of things to see, the smiling man had said. See and be seen. He wasn't kidding. The same intricate facades adorned small cafes and hole-in-the-wall museums. At least the signs were in English. Jasper was still getting his bearings when he saw the man standing across the street. His clothes were old and strange, like the Three Musketeers. Jasper wondered if they had historical reenactors in Prague, like the Ben Franklins and Thomas Jeffersons that seemed to live around Independence Hall. But the man didn't appear to be greeting passers-by. Instead, his gaze was fixed on Jasper. Unnerved, Jasper stepped backward toward a cafe, but in the next instant, the man was on top of him, pressing Jasper up against the window. No one seemed to pay them any mind. Perhaps he had accidentally opted into some kind of improvisational theater. The man pulled a razor from behind his back. Jasper told himself it had to be one of those rubber props that theater departments used. He grabbed the blade to push it back, but the blade was real. Pain shot up and down his palm as he forced his fingers to let go. The man's eyes went wide. A smile transformed his face into something that looked more like a poster for a carnival sideshow than an actual person. Jasper took one slow step to the side. His hand was vibrating with pain, but he turned and started briskly walking away. An instant later, he felt the bite of the knife against the back of his neck a small dripping wound opening up as it scraped across his skin. The man placed his face so closely to Jasper's that he could smell his fetid breath. He said, care for a shave. Welcome to Haunted Places, a podcast original. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, I take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth. You can find all episodes of Haunted Places for free on Spotify. And every Tuesday, make sure to check out Urban Legends. These special episodes of Haunted Places are available exclusively on Spotify. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. This week, join me on a supernatural journey to Prague's Karlova Street, a bohemian hotspot that is home to Prague's very own Mad Barber. And discover why, to this day, it's haunted. Many haunted places feel desolate, condemned in a kind of permanent shadow. Prague's Karlova Street, however, is teeming with life. A popular tourist spot, many of the signs are in English, 
You can stroll down the street from the Charles Bridge to the Apple Museum in five minutes, and you'll even pass a museum of medieval torture instruments on the way. The very layout of Karlova Street reflects the unique history of Prague, the capital of the Czech Republic. The small cafes and color-me-mind-style painting stores are housed in Gothic and Baroque storefronts dating back centuries. Prague was the cultural center of the Holy Roman Empire in the late 16th century, and it is rumored that sometime during the rule of Emperor Rudolf II, a sinister spirit took up residence on the street. This era in the city's history, known as Rudolphine Prague, was characterized by his elevation of artists to new respect and financial freedom. Many of these newly successful artisans took up residence on Karlova Street. But there was one resident of Karlova whose fortunes didn't rise with his neighbors, and he would stop at nothing to even the score. If anyone were ever to ask Hansa what he had done, he would say that he did what any man with a wife, three daughters, and no sons would do. He tried to earn a decent living. He was well-trained as a barber and walked up and down Karlova Street daily, trying to entice passers-by into his shop. But he was not the only one in his neighborhood, and his cuts lacked the sophistication of his competition. The blade was not an extension of his hand just a tool that he'd learned to use. He eked out a living with the assistance of his wife, Alishka, who took on sewing projects for their neighborhood when she could. Something was changing in Prague. Hansa watched as his quiet neighbors grew more boisterous, throwing coin around as if it sprung from fountains in the ground. One of his more difficult customers, a painter named Jan, told him that he would likely be going across town to get a better shave now that he could afford it. Hansa's grip on his blade tightened. He had spent the day working as hard as he could, with no time to rest his hands. They cramped from hours of holding the razor, and when he wasn't careful, the edge would split the skin from his fingers in raw, painful blisters. He told Alishka about the painter's rudeness, but she did not care for his complaints. She told him to pretend that he was a nice man for the customers. If he wasn't careful, they would end up on the streets. Hansa couldn't allow that to happen, but there were no signs that help was fated to come. So he decided to give fate a little help. He ducked into a shop with a hidden door. People on the street had whispered about the pale woman since he was a child. Some said she was a witch, or a sorceress, or an alchemist, or all three at once. They lived in fear and wonder of her, and would offer her favors in hopes of help or healing. Hansa had nothing to give. He approached her just the same. She spoke to him from behind a curtain, asking him if he was sure he wanted to pursue the mystic arts. Hansa assured her he was serious. She scribbled on a piece of parchment, a recipe for gold, a philosopher's stone of a sort. All he needed to do was say the incantation, and in the place of worthless household metals, the treasured coin would appear before him. But she also warned him there would be a price, flesh. Hansa promised he would give her whatever she wanted. She laughed and told him she wanted nothing only for him to know the cost. He agreed again, 
the piece of parchment slid beneath the curtain into his waiting hands. He waited for instructions, but the concealed woman didn't speak again. Brimming with hope, he rushed home. As the rest of the family slept, Hansa whispered the magic words to the rug on their floor. Nothing happened. He tried again. And again. He tried until his eyes grew heavy and his face slumped forward, hitting the floor. Hours later, Hansa was woken by a fit of coughing from the next room. His chest caught. They could not afford a doctor. He stumbled to his feet, only to trip over something heavy. It was a pile of gold. His eyes lit up and his heart nearly stopped, unsure if he could believe them. But as he held the coins in his hands, he could not deny it. Magic, real magic, had saved them. He realized his highly religious wife would never believe him, let alone approve. He had to come up with some lie to explain their good fortune. As he paced in thought, the clock on the wall sounded. He was late opening up the shop. Jan was waiting for him when he arrived. Hansa stifled the urge to make a smug remark about the Holy Roman Empire, not liking the artist's trite smudgings after all. He led Jan to the chair, putting on his best air of professionalism while taking solace in the knowledge that soon he would not need to grovel at this man's feet anymore. Hansa's hands shook slightly as he scraped the blade across Jan's cheek, doing his best to maintain control. But his hand was not practiced enough. Small cuts opened on the side of Jan's face. Blood spilled down onto his chin and shirt. In a shaky voice, Jan asked Hansa to stop. Hansa kept working, thinking only about the gold in his robes, how he didn't need this man anymore. He flicked the razor across Jan's cheek, sending small pieces of hair flying through the air. Finally, Hansa understood the pale woman's decree. The price was flesh. Jan tried to stand from the chair. Hansa placed the razor against the man's neck, using the pressure to keep him at his seat. The artist's Adam's apple quivered beneath the blade. Hansa applied too much pressure, cutting part of Jan's neck open. He grabbed a rag from his bench and held it on the wound. With his other hand, he kept working. He slid the edge of the razor just below Jan's ear, shearing away pieces of hair and skin. Jan begged, tears in his eyes, for Hansa to cease cutting. He promised to pay the full price if he just stopped. Hansa lowered his razor. He held out his hand for payment. Jan placed a fistful of coins in his hand. The white rag Hansa had given him was quickly turning red as he ran from the shop. Hansa nearly skipped down Karlova Street as he counted his gold. For once, he would be one of those people flaunting his wealth in broad daylight. But when he returned home, he discovered his jolly demeanor didn't match the mood. The whole house was dark and cold, eerily quiet. Hansa called for his wife and his daughters. But the only sound that answered him was a series of whimpers from somewhere deep within the bowels of the house. Elishka was hard to see under a mound of blankets. 
He did not recognize the woman peeking out from her cotton coffin with sunken eyes. Her flesh was stretched so tightly over her skeleton that Hansa could see no more than a faint outline of her bones. He pulled the blankets back. She was shivering, nearly a hundred pounds lighter than she'd been the day before. He tried to take her into his arms, but she groaned in protest. Instead, he sat by her side. With a sheepish smile, he pulled the pieces of gold out of his robes. Now he could afford a doctor. She asked if he stole the money. Hansa assured her that he was a principled man. He had only whispered a few incantations and look at what riches they'd received. Showing a surprising burst of strength, she pulled away from him. He wanted to reach for her, but there was fear in her eyes. In a small voice, she asked him what he had done. He sighed. He'd hoped she'd understand. She knew their dire straits, the injustice they'd suffered. He explained the pale woman's bargain in detail. Elishka's bitter laugh cut through his skin like broken glass. She told him that he'd killed her for his precious wealth. Hansa shook his head, struggling to make her understand. Elishka stood up and walked toward the window, as if in a trance. Hansa tried to touch her. She screamed that he was killing her. Their daughters cowered in the corner. She paused, chest heaving with the effort of staying upright. Hansa begged her to lie down so he could fetch a doctor. They could afford it now, didn't she understand? Elishka stumbled to the window, breathing in the night air. Hansa begged her to pause, to listen to him. He would speak to the pale woman. Elishka turned to look at Hansa, tears glistening on her sunken cheeks. She said she would not bear the cost of his greed. He opened his mouth to protest, but she'd already climbed out of the window, falling toward the street below. Prague is a city of ghosts, but none are quite so strange as Karlova Street's Mad Barber. It is said that a barber sought riches beyond his station, enlisting the help of the occult to do so. This unnatural help led to the practice of a form of alchemy, which attempted to make some gold out of less valuable metals. The gold either doesn't appear at all, or is never enough. Facing ruin, the barber's wife jumps to her death. But the tragic tale of the barber's Faustian bargain does not end there. Coming up, Hansa picks up the pieces and his razor. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Around 1583, an occultist named Edward Kelly sought an audience with Emperor Rudolf II in Prague. The man claimed to be in communication with angels, 
but the Catholic Emperor wasn't interested in such blasphemy. His priority was Kelly's claim that his alchemical experiments could produce gold. Kelly failed to live up to his promises, and Rudolph II repeatedly imprisoned him on spurious charges in order to prevent him from escaping back to England. Sometime in late 1597 or early 1598, Kelly made one last escape attempt. He died in the process. Rudolph II was a bit of an eccentric. He was obsessed with astrology, alchemy, and collecting eclectic artifacts of history and science in rooms of art and wonder. This affinity for the markers of wealth was reflected in the culture of his court and his country as a whole. The rich spent lavishly on various forms of art and scientific study, helping to elevate the lower-class creatives and thinkers to a higher status. Prague's renaissance had begun. But Prague's opulence did not last. In 1593, Rudolf II entered into a costly and entirely avoidable war with the Ottoman Empire, leading to massive civil unrest. In 1605, his family began transferring his power to his younger brother, Archduke Matthias. The ensuing power struggle ended with Matthias's army essentially imprisoning Rudolf in Prague until 1612, when he ceded full control. The artistic renaissance created by the former emperor screeched to a halt, along with his rampant spending in a time of unnecessary war. The end of the Mad Barber's story reflects the tensions in the final days of Rudolphine Prague, as the military made their presence known on Karlova Street. Hansa heard Eliska's words in his sleep. They echoed in the empty cathedral of a skull as he saw customers throughout the day. She was wrong. She hadn't died for his greed. She died to save their family. The gold had helped them all. But Hansa was still tempted to speak the incantations again. He was so close to a world where he would never have to work again, or his daughters would be comfortable the rest of their days. He could feel the words buzzing under his skin. If he wasn't hearing Alishka, he was hearing the pale woman. She had promised him riches, but at what cost? Perhaps he had not cut Jan enough. Yes, that must have been it. That was fixable, very fixable. In the middle of the night, he whispered the words again. He slept on top of the rug in hopes that he would see the gold as soon as it materialized. When he woke, there was nothing beside him but cold baseboards and a pile of old worthless lead. The rug was empty of gold. But he had done everything right. Everything. Someone must have taken it. He called to his three daughters, lining them up in front of the hearth. Studying their faces, he looked for signs of guilt. One of them flinched, and Hansa yelled. He had earned the gold. They could not keep it from him. But his daughters stood firm. They did not know what their father was talking about. His eldest, Mila, met his gaze as though she were the ghost of Elishka. She told him he was not their father anymore. He'd been replaced in the night by a far more sinister spirit. They would not stay if he continued on his current path. There were ways for young women to make their way in the world. 
Hansa heard the pale woman's voice in his head again. His actions had come with a price. His own family didn't trust in the wealth that he provided for them. Well, he didn't need incantations. He could find customers. He marched out of the house, slamming the door so hard that the wood rattled in the frame. No one in the street paid him any mind. Hansa pulled his razor from his belt. He stepped up to the nearest man he saw and asked if he wanted to shave. The man tumbled backward on his feet. He shook his head so violently that Hansa could almost picture it popping off. Hansa snarled at the man and asked why he wouldn't take the service he so clearly needed. The man simply ran off. From somewhere far off, he could hear the laughter of the pale woman. Not bitter like Alishka's had been, but playful, taunting him. Hansa prowled the streets, looking for the small shop that had housed her, but the bohemian crowd seemed to have swallowed it up. Faces blurred together as he searched for some sign. Hansa saw a flash of fabric that closely resembled the curtain she'd hid behind. He slashed his razor out, rending the fabric in two. Something wet hit his face in a clean and brutal line. Hansa continued his strokes, ripping the hideous fabric to threads. It was only then that he heard the screaming. The woman's cries became a wet gurgle. Her stomach had been ripped open through her corset. Something dragged on his right arm. He turned to see a man in expensive clothes holding onto his razor hand. The dandy managed to wrench the blade from his grasp. Hansa bit down on the man's throat in desperation. This was not so hard, the harvesting of the flesh. He now realized he had killed Alishka with his selflessness. If he had learned his lesson sooner, perhaps she would still be alive today. He caught the razor as it fell from the other man's limp hand and rushed away. Hansa could hear the pale woman's laugh still chasing him. He mustn't forget the rules. Flesh for gold. Flesh for gold. The shapes he saw on the street weren't people anymore. Shadows in fancy waistcoats and fine gowns mocking him. He lashed out at anyone he could reach, blood spraying in crimson arcs as he cut open forearms and cheeks. It was then he saw Jan coming out of a shop across the street. Hansa smiled, his favorite customer. He yelled that Jan looked like he was in need of a shave and began to cross the street. Jan shook his head slowly, his eyes darting around for help in the chaos. Hansa took a step forward, but then felt a strange but now familiar weight in his pocket as its contents were transmuted to shining gold. His violence had brought it to him. He wanted more. The wind whispered to him that he could have it as long as he followed the rules. Jan made a break for it through the crowd. Hansa gave chase. He could hear the whistle of soldiers following him. He paid them no mind. He had wrung gold from nothing but useless scrap metal with his steel blade and determination. He had paid for his fortunes in blood. They were nothing to him. Jan ducked into a shop. Hansa prowled outside. He called out to the shopkeeper to send Jan out to him or risk the same fate. The frightened shopkeeper frog-marched Jan toward the door. 
Jan begged and pleaded. Hansa could feel his smile growing. His most loyal customer would give the biggest reward. He just knew it. Hansa raised his blade. Jan closed his eyes. Strong arms closed around Hansa's upraised hand. More than a dozen hands grabbed at his body. The gold. They want the gold, he thought. He fought against their grip, telling them they could have what he'd already collected. He knew the secret to getting more. A harsh bark of laughter made it to his ears. One of the men was laughing at him. He pushed against the weight, straining hard. The tallest of the uniformed men told him to hold still. Hansa couldn't do that. He needed to make more money. He needed to be free. The first blow caught him by surprise. He was prepared for the second, though that didn't help with the pain. The men struck at him again and again. Like Alishka, they didn't believe in Hansa or what he could do. Hansa thrashed wildly. He tried to free himself from their grip, but there were just too many of them. The razor fell out of his hand. A soldier kicked it away. Hansa screamed as though a limb had been torn from his body. The blows came faster now. The men's sneering faces floated in and out of focus. Relentless, agonizing pain that grew and grew until there was no room for anything else. His body pulsed as though it was one exposed nerve being torn open over and over again. He somehow managed to lift his head and caught the briefest glimpse of his destruction. The Red Sea he'd carved through his own neighborhood. At the center were Mila and Ilishka, watching him with sad, resigned eyes. Earth-shattering pain followed. Then came a never-ending quiet. It is said that the barber's poverty is what drove him mad. His wife leapt to her death, and his daughters were forced into sex work. Lost and alone, the barber decided to return to trying to make an honest living. He wandered Karlova Street, seeking customers. But when none would come, he began to lash out with his razor. He killed several people before being beaten to death by a group of soldiers, likely on leave from one of Rudolph II's wars. But that wasn't the last time the Mad Barber stalked Karlova Street. Up next, the barber begins his spectral work. Now back to the story. Many of the ghosts of Prague are stark and clearly supernatural. Screams echo through the cobblestone streets. Headless horsemen and doomed nuns move through the streets and convents. When you see the Mad Barber of Karlova Street, you may not understand what he is at first. He appears at midnight. Some say he looks the same as you or I. His 16th century garb, the only sign that something is amiss. Well, that, and the bloody razor in his hand. Shayla and Josh hadn't planned to be in Prague. They wanted to be in Paris or London, even Berlin but they couldn't afford to fly there. So their European vacation began here. And honestly, they were kind of loving it. They did the usual tourist activities first. Monuments, castles, that kind of thing. But then Josh wanted to go off the beaten path. 
Shayla didn't like the idea, as they weren't remotely close to having any understanding of Czech. But he convinced her, as always, and off they went to get lost. But in a fun way. They began at Karlova Street, a clear tourist destination not too far from the sites they'd seen on scheduled walking tours the day before. They bought chimney cakes, a kind of cylindrical donut, and decided to stroll. But it was hard to stroll when they were swarmed by tourists on all sides. They were swept along in a throng of non-Eastern European accents, the flow of foot traffic halting almost every other second as someone paused mid-step to snap a picture. Several vendors tried to call for their attention. Shayla took several steps toward one of the smaller carts, but Josh stopped her. She looked up at him, confused. He explained that he wanted to see how the people lived, experience Prague as though he were a Czech. Shayla pulled up Google Translate and tried not to laugh as Josh performed a series of hand gestures in lieu of verbal communication. Josh bribed someone to let them take a look at one of the upper floors of the oldest building they could find. They expected the inside to match the grandeur of the outside, with its smooth, pale walls and ornate carvings. But it seemed to have undergone some kind of brutalist restoration. The closeness of the narrow hallway seemed to swallow up all the light from the lone window behind them. Shayla nudged Josh. They'd agreed to keep it fun and not frightening. She wanted to go back. He patted her arm, promising to turn around when they got to the end of the hall. Then, they saw the man in the corner, whispering to himself. They were shocked to discover he was speaking in English. He turned toward them slowly his eyes studying them with an almost feral intensity. Shayla shivered. She didn't like being examined so closely. The strange man stood up from his chair. The joints in his legs creaked louder than the wood itself. In the low light, the man's skin was mottled with wounds and wrinkles. Josh met Shayla's eyes and made a crack about learning history from someone who had been there. His joke lightened some of the tension in her chest, and she could have kissed him right there, if they were alone. The man smiled. He asked Josh to guess his age. Josh took a stab in the dark and called out that the man must be nearing 80. He shook his head. Older. Josh tried again. 200, he joked. Try five, the man replied. Josh and Shayla laughed. The old man didn't. They heard the click of a lock behind them. Moving with a speed they wouldn't have expected, the man grabbed Josh. Shayla yelped and tried to pull Josh free, but she was too slow. The ancient man threw her aside and dragged him into the chair that he'd vacated. Only then did she see the leather straps attached to it. Josh was locked into place. Shayla felt herself shaking uncontrollably. She tried to fight the shock, but she couldn't move. The man said he was a barber, and he just wanted a chance to practice his trade. A quick shave on the house. He smiled ruefully as he explained that it was so hard to find willing customers that sometimes he had to grab men off the street. Josh had shaved that morning, and he wasn't exactly heavy on testosterone. 
His face was clear of stubble. Shayla tried to point out as much, but Hansa waved his hand in the air as though she were a pesky insect getting in the way of his work. He brought the blade up and scraped the tiniest layer of fuzz from Josh's face, holding it up for Josh to see. Josh protested, and Shayla joined in, pleading with Hansa to understand that he didn't have to do this, but the barber pressed the blade back into his skin. He told them that he should be honored to be shaved by someone as famous as him. Shayla's voice cracked as she asked who they were dealing with. The barber slid the blade down Josh's neck, hovering at his Adam's apple. He ordered Shayla to fetch him some soap and a shaving brush. She fought every instinct to run as she moved toward a small table at the side of the room. Josh gave a sharp intake of breath. Shayla looked over and saw the rivulet of blood sliding down his throat. She brought the items over to the barber with shaking hands. Close up, she could see that the blade was rusted and splattered with old blood. Hansa brushed soap across Josh's face and held the blade up. Shayla took a deep breath, and she hit him with a basin. He fell to the side, the razor embedding itself in his opposite forearm. Shayla struggled to untie the straps that locked Josh into place as the strange man writhed in pain on the floor. She fumbled with the straps. Josh's eyes went wide. Shayla started to ask what was wrong, but she was dragged backward before Josh could warn her. She fought tooth and nail, but it wasn't enough as he smashed her head into the floor. Her vision fell in and out of focus as she tried to get up, but she could only just make out the barber as he turned toward Josh and went back to his work. The soap turned pink as blood dripped from the razor onto Josh's face. The barber slid the blade along Josh's cheek. The old man stepped away to bring the blade over to the basin Shayla had dropped. Shayla rose beside Josh as silently as she could. Her hands shook as she pulled the leather straps away from the metal that held his hands in place. One strap came loose, then the next. Josh flexed his wrists, bringing color back into them. Shayla grabbed his hand and pulled him out of the chair. White-hot pain shot through her back. She felt warm, hot liquid trail down her shoulder blade. The barber's razor stuck out from her muscles at an odd angle. Her adrenaline managed to get her to the door, but when she reached it, it only rattled on its hinges. It was locked from the outside. The barber advanced on her. She could see Josh behind the old man trying to hold him back, but his attempts were fruitless. Shayla reached up to her shoulder, pulling the razor out. Her nerves screamed and hot blood ran down her back. She told herself to ignore the pain and shoved the blade in the slot between the door and the wall. She pushed it upwards with every ounce of strength she had left. The lock turned. She yanked the door open and called for Josh to run. He dashed around the barber and caught her outstretched hand. The two of them charged through the door and down the steps. The barber ran after them. Josh tripped on the threshold. Shayla screamed as the barber's hand seized Josh's shirt collar, but the hand retracted just as quickly as it had come. Shayla held out her arms for Josh to stumble into. They took several more steps back onto Karlova Street, clutching each other tightly. 
before she felt him freeze beside her. Her gaze followed his back to the door. The barber stood there, watching them, with hatred in his eyes. But he could not cross the threshold. He backed away from the entryway as the sun rose to its highest point in the sky. As they walked back down the rickety steps, Shayla could still feel the barber's eyes following them. Dripping with blood, she supported Josh's weight as the two made their way through Karlova Street, disappearing into the throng. But no matter how far they got from that cursed building, no matter how many months or years had passed, she could still feel the barber's eyes on her back and the faintest scrape of a razor against her neck. Some citizens of Prague believe that there is a way to free the mad barber from his limbo, but it is not for the faint of heart. The man only wants to prove his worth, after all. If a brave soul agrees to trust the ghost and go under his spectral razor, he will be released from his midnight solicitations, having finally proved his ability to make an honest living again. None have taken him up on his offer, yet. Karlova Street is one of those places that feels both modern and storied at the same time. It is not difficult to imagine Renaissance-era figures moving along the cobblestones, sidestepping the waste from chamber pots, and the plodding pace of cart horses. In Rudolphine, Prague, Karlova was the center of an up-and-coming neighborhood, and just like with modern-day gentrification, the rising affluence of the area left some behind, chasing after the wealth that surrounded them, only to be swallowed whole by poverty as they were priced out. The story of the Mad Barber of Karlova Street is one of hubris, of trying to move above your station. The barber's deal with the devil dooms him and his family to object poverty. Is such a specter so strange in these trying times? What's the matter with a little ambition in a booming artistic renaissance? Shaving is an art, too. Thanks again for tuning into Haunted Places. We'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. And don't forget to come back on Tuesday for our Urban Legends series, available only on Spotify. You can find more episodes of Haunted Places and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Haunted Places, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Haunted Places on Spotify, just open the app and type Haunted Places in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. I'll see you next time. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Carrie Murphy. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Haunted Places was written by Lil D. Ritter and Jennifer Rache, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. I'm Greg Polson. 